This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. Joining me in the press box of the TGT Stadium today, it's Mr. Harry Simi. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, good. Pleased to be in the TGT Stadium for the first time. <laughs> it is the saddest thing, you know. <laughs> it's like it was when it was all being put together and stuff, I was like, I'm going to have to say something along these lines because I have people going... You know, we're getting to a stage where, you know, when you get people on the channel, your combined sub counts could probably fill the Emirates at this stage. And, you know, it's mad when you think about it in, in that sense. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, thank you, everyone listening and taking your seats. Much appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, no, how are you doing, Harry? You're good. Joe? It's been a little bit of a while since we've done one of these CNS shows, but uh, yeah, it's good to have you back. Yeah, nice. No, good to be here, man. Good to chat to you. Just sometimes life gets in the way, doesn't it? Which is uh, unfortunate. But the new season's here. It's been busy. It's been enjoyable. So far, anyway, a couple of wins. It's It's been happy days. There's nothing to moan about, nothing to complain about. Because we've been playing so well as well, we don't have to spend all of our time talking about how desperate we are to get this player and desperate we are to get that player. Like, you know, I, I do think Arsenal are probably active behind the scenes, but I'm not, I'm not panicking, if that makes sense, because I've been so encouraged by what I've seen. I mean, how about yeah. you? How's, how have you found the start of the campaign? Yeah, great. You know, you know, no complaints at all. You know, it could not have started any better for us, really. Um, I mean, if you're complaining after two wins, I don't really know where your head's at at that point. Yeah. You can't. It's just been a very delightful start to the season. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where, of course, it can go. Because you look at kind of the next four games, and I include Man United in that because of how much of a trash show they are right now, uh, you know, that they are very winnable fixtures. And You know, you know that'll then, be their first win of the season, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it is their first win, I suppose I can take solace that they would have played five without winning. I suppose that's the only thing to, to go back on. But yeah, I, I think I described this as a, a defibrillator of a, of a team sometimes. We just bring other sides back to life at points. So I just hope that isn't the case with them. I, I kind of hope they get battered against Liverpool. But even Liverpool dropping points is, is good for us. It's kind of a win-win that game at the moment. 
So, yeah, but we're going to try and keep our feet firmly on the ground. Uh, I can tell you uh, that in the TGT stadium, apparently there's already been complaints. Goku says the beers are too expensive and Guna Jake saying the hot dogs are a bit dry. So I'll have to get on to management about that. I'm sorry. I can only apologise. Um, What's anyway. important, Tom, is what, what make of coffee do they sell? It's not that Lavazza stuff, is it? No, it's like the, they've got like all those Nescafe proper, you know, the really professional The little ones. pods. Lovely. The, yeah, exactly. The pods. Pods all day long because pods in pods in the stadium to record pods. So, you know, it could only be the pods. <laughs> I don't go. know where I'm going with this now. Um, anyway, we're, of course, here to talk about some of the breaking news this afternoon, which centres around Nicolas Pepe, uh, according to The Athletics, David Ormstein, and a number of others. I think it was first, first reported by The Times officially as well, uh, that Nice are close and closing in on a potential loan move for Nicolas Pepe. Um, I've then seen other potential reports that Arsenal could work to include an option to buy in this. Uh, I've seen rumours of around £15 million rising to £22 million worth of add-ons included in that as a total price, of course. What do you make of of this potential move? It's got to happen. Something has to give in the Nicolas Pepe situation. I think the fact that he is looking likely to depart on loan just a few years after joining the club for £72 million is almost symbolic of Arsenal's failings in those years and and how badly we got things wrong in, in certain instances. I don't have anything against Nicolas Pepe as a player. I actually think he's a better player than most Arsenal fans and, and the wider football world give him credit for. Um, you know, he clearly can impact games in the final third. He can score goals. He can produce moments he's got that unpredictability to him that I think at times last season we were maybe missing you know we did we were a little bit rigid sometimes in our build-up play I think that the introduction of Jesus and the relationship that he's starting to build with people has changed that a little bit but I actually think at times we probably could have used Nicolas Pepe a lot more than we actually did and obviously Mikel Arteta doesn't really fancy him you know part of that is because of how good Bukayo Saka is and, and you have to factor that in as well but I just think we were never going to get anything close to the money that we spent on Nicolas Pepe back in any way shape or form so I'm personally now at a point where I just want to see him playing football again I just want to see him scoring goals again I want to see him playing with a smile on his face I want to see him impacting games in the way that we all know he can and unfortunately that isn't going to be at Arsenal so let him go out on loan because that's the only option, really. It doesn't look like anybody's going to come in and pay 15, 20 million up front. So, you know, let him go and play. Let him potentially rebuild his value by performing. And we'll see where we are next summer. And if we can get something out of him, then great. If not, the mistake's already been made. There's no point really crying over spilt milk. You know, it, it wasn't the right signing. It hasn't worked. But, I mean... I'm a bit sad because I think although it didn't work partly because he's not good enough, I do think that we as a football club, if we weren't such a mess, could have got more out of him. So there's a little bit of regret for me around the whole Nicolas Pepe story. I I don't know what you Mm. think about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, when I remember when he was coming in, the hype around him was just crazy. You know, mm. he came off the back of an amazing season with Lille, uh, and he was, you know, one of those I think that was found by the very famous Luis Campos, who brought brought in a ridiculous number of very impressive players at Lille, 
and and then of course uh, later on with Nice too, where he's now going, and now he's at PSG, of course, doing some work and improving their recruitment. So I, I think that whilst he arrived, it was very much that. We were clearly in for Wilfred Zaha that summer. That was clearly the priority target for us that we wanted, Nuno Emery wanted. But as soon as Crystal Palace were like, it's 100 million or nothing, and we want it all up front, it was just never going to happen. Uh, and the fact that, you know, I think this summer we're still paying off Nicolas Pepe's 72 million pounds. Like it was done over five seasons, I think. You know, so, I think we was what signed in 2019. So, yeah, we're absolutely still paying off his, his transfer. It, it, Arsenal haven't made a bid anywhere close to that kind of figure for a player. You know, the highest we've gone is, I think, Ben White, you know, since that moment when we spent £50 million on him. And to be honest, I don't see Arsenal spending close to that figure for for still quite a while, unless we're in a position where we're only going to add one or two players during a window. And you see, like with Man City and Liverpool, where they start to add one or two players and it happens to be a very big one, like a Darwin Nunez or a Jack Grealish, players like this that are going to cost you significantly. And that's only going to happen once we've kind of embedded the squad and it's solidified and stable. So, yeah, it was a, ultimately, we'll, it'll be looked back on as a mistake. And that that is just the way that it is. I think that he suits a system that is very different to the way that Arsenal play. He much suited a, a counter-attacking style as, as they played a lot with Nice during that title-winning season. You know, there's a lot of of uh, that Lille that won the title in the kind of Leicester that won the title in the Premier League that both were kind of underestimated by a lot of teams. So they were attacked and then really harmed on the counter by both Leicester and Lille and Pepe benefited from that. But when he was kind of challenged with having to take on two, three players because Arsenal going up against teams that were just sitting back just didn't necessarily work. Do you, there's there's a bit of a cult following behind Nicolas Pepe, I find, though, still. You know, there's a lot of people that want him to stay. There's a lot of people that really kind of point the finger at Mikel Arteta for his failure. You said a second ago that you felt well, we could have used him more. However, do you feel as though he's become a bit of a, a kind of a... He's been stamped on the stick that hits Arteta, I feel, because he's obviously not been used by him a lot. Yeah, and I mean, look, that, that's the manager's prerogative. He can decide if he wants to use him or not. It's, it's totally up to him. Nobody else can make that decision. Nobody else should make that decision. But mm. uh, yeah, you're right that it is one of the things that people attribute to Mikel Arteta in terms of failures at the football club. They say that he could have got more out of him. But I do think there were points last season, Tom, where it wasn't working with Bukayo Saka, particularly towards the end, right, where it just wasn't working. He clearly wasn't fit. He was clearly running on empty. And I'm not saying you start Nicolas Pepe every week, but there were times where it'd get to 60, 65 minutes and you'd think, this guy's done. Bring Nicolas Pepe on and give us a bit of variety to our attacking play. Give us a little bit of unpredictability. I remember he brought him on in the game against Villa away and defensively he was a disaster. And so when I think about that, I think that the only kind of explanation must have been that Mikel Arteta didn't, trust him to do things off of the ball and didn't trust him to get back and support the right back in the way that maybe he should have. And and maybe when oh. Tom Yasu was out, that was even more so on Mikel Arteta's mind. You know, you can't afford to have a Pepe that doesn't help Cedric, for example, in the way that you might be able to get away with it if Tom Yasu was at right back. So maybe that played a part as well in his decision not to call upon him. But I do think there were times where we were crying out for a bit of invention, a bit of imagination, a bit of unpredictability and fresh legs. And Nicolas Pepe could have given you all of those things. Yeah. And instead, we decided not to do that. And that's what I mean when I say that he could have got more out of him, maybe. 
But the guy's confidence can't be great at the moment, given that he's been on the peripheries for so long now. I said earlier that he needs to be playing the game again with a smile on his face. I know that sounds like a typical sort of football cliche, but yeah. you know, in any walk of life, in any job you do, if you hate it, if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to succeed. So, you know, I think that really rings true with him. Uh, Cass says, I said at the time, if Pepe was that good, why didn't Real Madrid and PSG and Barcelona and Chelsea and Man United buy him? Wasn't for me. Like Emery, I wanted Zaha, proven Premier League, ready, and Pepe wasn't. Paul says, Harry, we saw what a complete liability Pepe was against Villa. And, you know, that was a real key game for me, you know, last season away when he came off the bench and gave away a free kick in the last moment and, and lost the ball nearly every time he got hold of it. You know, it's those moments. Those are the crux moments for him. I know that we talked a lot about Eddie and Ketty not being given many chances and coming off the bench doesn't necessarily give you that. But it's it's in those moments still that, that, that careers can kind of peter away. And Pepe was given, you know, chances at times, you know, to play games, especially I remember I think it was the end of the season before last and the start of last season. Saka started on the left-hand side and Pepe was playing on the right. And this is before kind of Smith-Rowe emerged as, as a left-wing option. And it just... It just didn't really work for us uh, at all. There was also, I think, a period during the really difficult year where we finished eighth, where he was playing, Pepe was playing on the left. Remember, he scored that goal against Wolves before the yeah. chaos with Le uh, Louise and, and Leno happened. But, and that kind of tended to suit him a little bit. And he, I think he scored a great goal on the left in the Europa League with his right foot coming in off the left and then shooting with his right into the top right-hand corner. But that was kind of his real, his, his I don't want to say his only trick but it was his main bread and butter, was the cut inside and hit the curling effort in, into the goal. We saw a couple of creative moments, specifically in that FA Cup semi-final, uh, semi I think, against Man City, where he called that ball to get into Aubameyang. But we didn't see that enough, those moments of, of creativity from him. Of course, last season, his big moments against Wolves, where he came on with Eddie and, and both of them combined to find the equaliser. And then, of course, he played Lacazette through. Again, we just didn't see those moments enough. Um, Nweke says, I disagree with Harry. And we saw that he was giving chances and he didn't do anything to suggest he could work with Arsenal. What do you make about that? Because I don't necessarily think that he's disagreeing too hard with anything you're saying. <laughs> do you know I, I, mean? don't, I don't think... I just think that when the team wasn't performing, and there were lots of times last season when the team wasn't performing, right? It was a good season overall, but there were times where there was no creativity, we weren't able to create chances, we didn't have a striker that could take the chances, we didn't have any of it. Nicolas Pepe could have ticked some of those boxes had he been kept more engaged, more involved, and had his confidence not been completely shot by the fact that he was never even getting a chance. Now, I'm not saying, again, let me be clear, that he should have started, but there were games where we got to 65, 70 minutes where we could have done with something different. And we didn't even try it. That's the point I'm making. I'm not sitting here making a case for Nicolas Pepe and saying this is the biggest injustice that he's been allowed to leave Arsenal and we've treated him like absolute rubbish and this is unacceptable. I'm not saying that for a second. I'm just saying that I don't think we maximised what we could have got out of Nicolas Pepe. And the longer that we went without involving him and trying to maximise it and trying to put an arm around him and get him back on side... It, with each passing moment, his confidence was getting worse and worse and dipping more and more and more. And then you haven't got the same player that you started out with. Mm. And people don't seem to realise that. I mean, how much has Eddie and Ketty have spoken about how difficult it is to be on the sidelines all the time? Yeah. Like, that. you know, there's got to be, um, there's got to be a balance in, in sort of 
when we're assessing these players and how they got on, understanding that, yeah, some of it is down to them not performing, but some of it is down to the environment in which they're in as well. And he never stood a chance at any point. Saka could have one leg and he'd have still played ahead of him. That's the point it got to. Is that fair? Do you think that's fair? Like, Do you think he was treated fairly by Arteta? Um, not completely, no. Not Why completely not? fairly. Because I think that, based on what I've just said, basically, that I, I think there were times where nobody else was performing. So why wouldn't you give him a go? I felt like there were there was a reluctance to call upon him. There was almost this. There was almost this idea that you know you're not part of my plans. Yeah, I don't. I don't want you. So I'm not even going to give you a chance when this is something as a manager that you got to find the balance in because. There have been managers that have fallen out with players. I'm not saying that they've fallen out, but managers that have fallen out with players, but recognised that they could still give them something. And I think as a squad player, Nicolas Pepe could have given us something. I also think he was massively unfortunate, though, as well, that we weren't in the Europa League, because that could have been a breeding ground for him to build up his confidence. We saw in the season prior, he was very effective in the Europa League. And then that puts you in a position... If you scored a couple of goals, you've got a, some minutes under your belt, puts you in a position that you are ready to come on and impact games when you do get those chances in the Premier League. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, again, I think Mikel Arteta was slightly unfair just because I don't think that all these occasions that I'm talking about, we were particularly better off by leaving a tired, unfit, out of form Bukayo Saka, for example, on that right-hand side instead of trying something different from time to time. No, I think you raised some fair points. You know, I, I don't think Arteta was fair uh, with with the minutes he was given. Uh, I think he could have been brought on in more games. But I think we all know that he just, he never took to him. Um, Pepe isn't the type to bust a gut to get back and, you know, continuously press. And yeah, Saka does give you more of that. And if you don't have that quality... In a player, Arteta just doesn't fancy her. You know, that, that's ultimately why I think the likes of Lacazette and Aubameyang haven't been kept. They've been moved on. We know that with Ozil initially, just Ozil wasn't doing enough for him, wasn't showing enough commitment, wasn't embodying what he wanted from an Arsenal player. And all of those things combined have led us to move these players on. And, you know, Arsenal spent a combined 180-odd million quid on Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe. And Arteta's come in and completely revamped that front three. And instead, we've got a front three that is worth, in terms of what we paid for them, less than three times that amount with Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. You know, a £50 million yeah. front three that I would argue is better in terms of its collaborativeness, and how it works together, how it suits each other. It's a better front three for what we're currently trying to achieve at Arsenal. I'm fine with that. But yeah, I agree that there are some instances where Pepe wasn't necessarily given the opportunity. But I think there is a counter-argument to say that when he was at times, he wasn't necessarily the best at taking the chances when he got them. But there are probably big reasons as to why yeah. that happened. Um, the, the second part of this conversation is, of course, with him going, that then leads to the idea of who, who comes in. We've been linked to a number of players in the wide positions. Nothing's really happened. According to David Ormstein, that is now Arsenal's priority between now and the end of the window. We heard from Arteta today in the press conference. He said that only quality will come through the doors, which is what I want to hear. You know, I don't want Arsenal to, to go and panic by a random wide player just to give us some depth, you know. And that's what I worry that a lot of fans are going to get frustrated with, mm -hmm. say, if we don't sign someone, that the fingers are going to start to be pointed when actually... 
there isn't really a glut of quality wingers. I don't know if you watched the show I did about Pepe and kind of, you know, the idea of keeping him perhaps would be a better idea than replacing him because there just isn't, you know, the available options out there to really replace him with. What do you make of of what we could do and, and who you might fancy? It's really hard because there's not a standout name for me that yeah. I look at and go, yep, yeah, definitely, let's go and get him. People have talked about Jeremy Pino quite a bit recently. Mm-hmm. Not totally. I'm not totally sold on him. Um, a, because of what I've seen of him, but B, because of the price that we'd have to pay. I'm not sure that that is a, a fair price that Villarreal are reportedly uh, wanting for him at this stage in his career. So, mm. you know, I'm not totally convinced about that. I This is not what people want to hear, but I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal didn't bring in another winger. I wouldn't be surprised if they left it as is. I was thinking about this today and obviously Fabio Vieira's come into the side I've said on on my pod sort of throughout the summer that I don't expect him to be thrown in as part of the midfield at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I expect him to be bedded in from a wide position initially. And I think the fact that he played on the right wing and, and Mikel Arteta had instructed the under-21s to use him in that position the other night suggests that Arteta sees that as well. I know he was non-committal today in the press conference about you know, whether that means that's his position going forward. He was, he kept referring back to his versatility, et cetera, et cetera. But you think about that, you think about the fact that Marquinhos is staying put at least for now, again, according to Mikel Arteta. And the fact that I guess he will see Smith Rowe as an option from the right, Martinelli an option from the right. He'll probably see Jesus as an option from the right with Nketiah through the middle if things got really desperate. I'm not saying it's what I would do. If someone becomes available that is good enough, I would absolutely pull the trigger and do it. But if Arsenal were to end the window without bringing one in, based on all of those things, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, what yeah. about you? Is there, is there anyone that you're kind of keen to see the club sort of go out on a limb to get? No, not particularly. Um, I really like Amin Guiri at, ironically, Nice. Um, he's a profile of player I like because he offers something in a wide area and in a centre-forward position as well. Mm. And that's kind of what I want to see if we sign a wide player is someone who's got the scope to cover centrally because that's probably our lightest position. You know, just Jesus and, and Nketi are there. If one of those is injured, all of a sudden you're down to one natural striker in the squad. So I do feel like, and I know that Martinelli can, of course, play there. But I think for me, you know, that's that's right. The other one, and, and Batonian says this, is, is Pedro Neto. Pedro Neto is a brilliant, brilliant player. And I don't think I actually have appreciated him enough as of having now watched plenty more of them. And for directions from Clive, bless him, from the Arsenal Vision podcast, saying go and watch Neto because he genuinely is something special. The problem with him is he's signed a brand new contract this year up until 2027. And Wolves are going to demand a huge fee for a player that doesn't necessarily start for us right now. You know, he's going to be fighting with Martinelli and Saka for a start. He doesn't necessarily cover in the middle naturally like someone like Aguri does. I know he has played in the middle, but it doesn't naturally happen. And part of me thinks I'd rather wait until next summer or January at the earliest than, say, spend 40 million quid on a Jeremy Pino who is a, a potential signing, but then say that doesn't work out, you're then locked into that deal for the next five years or go for a 40 million Cody Gakpo, who's more of a left-sided player than a right-sided player. I know that Martinelli could possibly feature on the right. There are just too yeah. many questions for me and too many doubts about potential targets. As you said, there's no standout option 
that is realistic and accessible this window, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I'm a big believer in not going out and spending money stupidly, not because I care about the money. Like everybody always says this, stop being the club's accountant. Stop. I don't give a shit about that. It's not that. It's it's what it does to us going forward. It's that we've seen it over the years, put us in a position from which we then can't compete because we've blown our budgets and we're stuck with players that nobody wants. So it's nothing to do with the actual money. It's about the footballing side of things, not committing to people that we don't know are going to come in and impact, that we don't know are going to be a good fit for the process, if you like. And and, and that's, I had to get that in. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's that's my frustration with yeah. with, um, with this whole transfer market thing I, it's like kids always want a shiny new toy right and and everybody kind of gets excited by the new sign you do that's part of the enjoyment of the summer that the, the friendlies are all about watching your new signings the first few games are all about watching your new signings but it doesn't mean you should just do them to appease people and mm. if there isn't an option out there then don't do it because there might be someone that you look at in january or next summer and you go, my God, that is the right fit. And if you've already blown your money on somebody that you didn't want, then you're stuck. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you look at kind of the some of the signs we've made this summer. Had we have gone in for Dusan Vlaovic in January, a profile of striker who doesn't necessarily, I think, suit the way that Arteta is playing, had we have, you know, pulled that deal off and not got Jesus, you know, I, I wouldn't swap them. You know, I wouldn't swap Jesus for Vlaovic at all. And I think it's about making sure you get the right player and not overpaying the players as well. Like Manchester United right now, 70 million euros all in on Casemiro is a joke. Like that is a joke transfer. It's laughable. Yeah. You know, they've got a player that in two years' time they're going to be lumbered with at 32 that's achieved all he could achieve with Real Madrid. There's no motivation, you know, to go Man United and turn them around. You know, that is a paycheck for him. It nearly doubles his salary. It doesn't completely double it, but it nearly does. There's no motivation there. Anthony, you know, reportedly 100 million euro total bids is coming in, 80 plus 20 for him. And, and Ajax will want most of that up top. We've already spent 67 million euros on, on Martinez, who is being bullied in the Premier League at centre-back. You know, I think he could have done a job for us at left-back, a really good job. But centre-back in that team, he's getting bullied. You know, that's that's not what I want at Arsenal. Is I don't want transfers without a plan. I don't want transfers for the sake of transfers. I want, as Arteta said in the press conference, transfers that are guaranteeing you the right quality and they have to yeah, pass that quality exactly. check before they come through the door. Um, Rudy Garcia, thank you so much. Arsenal Europa League FA Cup double. We're back. Uh, happy to see the former Roma manager in the chat box. As always, uh, welcome to the GGT Stadium. Uh, Tarun says, we are again compromising with the depth. We have like four quality guys for about seven positions. Not good enough. Two key injuries and we're in tatters. I think that's a bit hyperbole, personally. You know, I think if you look at the forward line, yes, we're a little bit light at striker, as I've mentioned. But you've got Martinelli, you've got Smith-Rowe. You've got uh, Jesus, you've got Nketiah, you've got Fabio Vieira, you've got Bakaya Saka, you've got potentially Marquinhos, who the club rate very, very highly. You know, Erdegaard uh, can play in a wide position if you needed him to. In midfield, you've got Erdegaard and Smithrow, and again, Vieira can cover in midfield if you need him to. You've got Xhaka and Partey and Lokonga and El Nenny that are all there as well, and potentially another signing, you know, to come in as well. I don't necessarily think to say the words, this is not good enough. I think that's probably too far for me. What do you think? Yeah, it is way too far because 
one of the things that I think we learned from the All or Nothing documentary is that in order to keep everybody singing from the same page, in order to keep everybody engaged, there is a benefit to having a smaller group. I think Aaron Ramsdale alluded to that in the doc as well. It's not about, you know, yes, let's we want to be short when we hit an injury crisis. Nobody's saying that. But you can't have these overblown squads anymore of people that are just not going to be a part of it because that doesn't breed the right environment that you want. And so, yes, you need depth, but you don't need overload. And that's the problem. Absolutely. You, as we've just kind of covered, you don't want to sign players for the sake of signing players. You know, clearly Arteta values versatility in a player. And if we need to sign a wide player for me, it has to be someone that can obviously cover in the middle as well. Um, I'm going to press you for a name, Harry. If you did have to sign one this summer, who would it be? Oh, it's a tough one. Mm. I quite like Pedro Neto. Um, yeah. I think from the ones that we've been linked with, he's the, the at the top of my list. Um, but I haven't really looked into this an awful lot. I've got to be honest, because after sort of the Rafinha deal didn't happen mm. and then we moved and got Fabio Vieira in, my opinion on how urgent a wide signing would be changed quite a bit. I, I, I didn't think it was as big a priority as maybe was being reported. And although people say now that Arsenal's priority is to bring in a wide player, I still don't think it's a given that they're going to do it. So I'll be honest, I haven't gone deep diving into why scout and all of those places to, to look at wingers. I, I just, I couldn't give you a name. Honestly, I couldn't give you a name right yeah. now. Of the ones we've been linked with, I'd lean towards Pedro Neto. But even that, if the price isn't right, I'd walk away from that as well. How high would you go for him? Mm, 35, 40. Really? Wow. I thought you were going to go higher than that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go higher than that, no. That's interesting. I haven't, I like, he's, he's good, but yeah, yeah, he's not like... Rafinha had been in the Premier League for like, what, a couple of seasons and really impacted it. And you'd watch Leeds to watch Rafinha and you'd check your live score app and Leeds had won a game and it was Rafinha that had scored. Pedro Neto, as good as he is, hasn't had that impact at Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And of course, the injury issue is there as well that he's just recovered from that. So, yeah, I suppose I'd go to Wolves and say, I, I think I'd go his 40 plus 10, probably the max I'd go to, you know, 40 plus 10 in add-ons and say, take it or leave it. They probably say, leave it. <laughs> you know, they don't need that. I mean, they have just spent 50 million on Mateus Nunez, but still, I, I, I think they're going to charge a ridiculous amount. What would you say to Wilfred Zaha on a two-year contract, 25 million quid? Yeah, I'd do that. I'd prefer that, actually. I think Wilfred Zaha has done exactly what I've just said that Pedro Neto hasn't. And that's oh. been prominent in the Premier League at one of the, weaker sides, et cetera, et cetera, in the Premier League for a number of seasons and always been their standout man. I'd be much more confident that that was a wiser use of money than than spending 40, 50 on, on Pedro Neto, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah, look, for a two-year deal, um, not a massive increase on his wages because I think he's already on a massive deal anyway at Palace. Um, mm. You know, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world because, you know, I think... It, I doesn't it doesn't compromise anything for us really because he's you know you've got a lot of guarantees if you bring in someone like him with his Premier League quality he's transitioned already you know he's got the motivation because he wants to prove himself at a top level I think there's a lot of factors with him that works but whether or not he'd go for it or whether Palace would even sell for that amount would be the big question with that as well. Yeah. Um, we're going to bring the show to a close. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Much appreciate your attendance as always. Harry, tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, man. As always, always a pleasure to chat Arsenal with you and we'll do it uh, on the Chronicles next week for sure. Um, you can find me at the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Simu. You'll be able to keep up with whatever it is I'm doing there, which is lovely uh, stuff. Nice and sure. easy. Yeah, I mean, and also, if you want to see me and Harry in the flesh, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, we'll be doing a live show courtesy of uh, Mike from the Gunas Pod. We're helping support his Gunas versus Cancer cause. Uh, I should have the details more close to hand when I start doing these, but I believe, is it on the 2nd of September? I think it is. That's right, um, yeah. 2nd of September in London. Um, I'm going to tell you the location. Ridley Road Social Club. Uh, you can get tickets for just £5. Uh, and that is a donation towards the uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I'll put a link to that in the live chat right now. So if you would like to attend and you're in the London area on the 2nd of September in the evening, um, there you go. Go and, and give it a look. Yeah, and, and buy it'll, be nice. it'll be nice to have a beer with everybody because we, we'd never see their faces and they see ours like what i don't know if you must get it as well when you go to yeah. a game and someone comes and says oh hey mate like and it's like i feel shit that i don't know what their name is I, and it's just because we don't see the other side obviously so Indeed. it's always great when there's an opportunity to like literally sit and chat to you guys face to face so and it's for a great cause as well it is absolutely yeah i mean when when people come up or we, i see people at the pub before the games and stuff but uh, yeah it's it's great chatting um an amazing number of members on the discord server that i've managed to meet in person now and they're all brilliant so yeah come along um get involved link is there uh, if you want more information go to gunas v cancer on twitter uh you'll be able to find more information there about the event as i say only five pound a ticket so you don't have to have a drink by the way if you don't drink you can have a soft drink as well it does it's not exclusive but uh, yeah come along and uh, enjoy yourselves we'll see you again very soon i'll be back tomorrow morning of course at 8 a.m for the latest arsenal news more chat on pepe i'm sure and any fallout from that uh, but it's been a pleasure to chat as always. Uh, you can follow Harry on Twitter at Harry Simu and you can find him on uh, YouTube at the Chronicles of Aguna. You can find myself at Tom Cantamedia or at the Guna Talk TV. See you soon, guys. Have a great evening. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.